Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Puzzling, a true crime podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Tiffany. And we're your hosts. Um, so this week, we have a couple of things to update you on, and then we're going to get right into the case, because apparently it's a long one. The first one is, uh, Assistant Sarah, would you mind reaching behind you? And there is something wrapped in paper. Oh, nope, yeah. Nope, nope, oh, it's I in the couch. Here. I put it back. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Bailey got yep, me a yep, gift. Yep. No, me and Misty got. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. My dog actually picked it out. So Sarah or Tiffany was getting her house sprayed today because apparently she found two spiders and apparently her house is infested. Even though we live in the mountains, it's fine. Hold on. Nope, nope, nope. Um. Anyway, she's getting her house sprayed. So I came to uh, open the door for the bug lady and I took Misty out while that was going on, and we went to TJ Maxx and Misty not only picked out a present for herself, well two Two. two presents for herself, but she picked out one for her mom so and i'm excited okay wait let me wrap it up a little more okay well okay. i can see what <laughs> you, you can already tell what it is it's a candle oh there's little doggies on it oh look which so one's y- a missy that one that one's a missy yes oh look at how cute sun washed citrus did you do that on purpose what sun washed citrus no why it's my a list, list. <laughs> it's a list sun washed citrus Oh, it smells good. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Thanks, so, so I'm Alex, sorry. Thanks, Misty. Yeah. Thank her. Um, Alex told me that you guys don't know what sand and paws is. Yeah. This is, I get these all the time. Okay. Alex had no idea what it was. I was like, I get a, them all the time from TJ Maxx. Listen, if you guys have any type of animal in your house, listen, I'm not saying that just because you have a dog, your house smells like dog, but I feel like these candles especially help with covering up pet odor. So it's Sand and Paws. It's a like kind of like an offshoot of Sand and Fog, which is a brand that you can like find at TJ Maxx. But Sand and Paws is like ten out of ten. Everything smells good, and they're they're like strong. Yeah, they work. Yeah, I'm so excited. And most of the Sand and Paws ones have doggies on the top. Really I know. Cool. Don't they like donate to? I think so. I think they do to dog or animal, whatever. <laughs> they do something nice. Do something for animals. Yeah. Yes. Um, the other update we have is that uh, we do now have listener support available on our Anchor platform. Um, so Anchor is kind of the company that we use to release all of our podcasts and how we are eventually going to be able to do ads. Um, so if you enjoy our podcast and you want to hear more of it, you can um, go through listener support on Anchor or you can go to our website and do a $10 one-time donation one-time donation um, directly on our website, which we will link in the uh episode notes yes so um tiffany Aside from that your week was good yes good that's good i didn't really do anything yeah. which is nice it's nice to not have to do anything for a while you know can't relate yeah sorry <laughs> Whew, okay this is gonna be a long one so bear with me it's a good one though so this is the case of brianna dennison so brianna zunino dennison what a fun middle name huh zunino I think it's the same as her mom's middle name, too. Zunino? Mm-hmm. Is Brianna, that how it's spelled? Yeah. How do you spell it? Z-U-N-I-N-O. Mm, didn't believe you for a second, but Zunino. that is Zunino. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was born on March 29th, 1988 in Reno, Nevada. Ooh, she, Aries Queen. Sorry. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> on the 26th. Oh, that's right. I should have known that. Where she grew up and graduated from Reno High School in 2006. She then went on to attend attend Santa Barbara City College. So one of my main sources for this episode is an episode of Unusual Suspects. And 
in the episode, just in case anyone gets a little bit confused if they have seen it or want to see it, her aunt does say community college, but in all my sources, and I looked it up, it is city college, so I don't know if she maybe just misspoke or if they changed the name, but it is... I don't know. Just it's probably still a community college. Probably, but just what it's called. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it is City College. And according to her Aunt Lauren in the Unusual Suspects episode, while she was attending Santa Barbara City College, she wanted to become a child psychologist. So that's sweet. Her sophomore year of college, Brianna came home to Reno to spend her winter break with her friends and her family. On January 19th, 2008, her and two of her best friends, Jessica and Carissa, went out to some events and a party at the Sands Casino (laughs) Casino in downtown Reno. Jessica ended up calling it a night before Brianna and Carissa and left on her own, attempting to get a cab but not succeeding. She ended up hitching a ride with a man she didn't know. He was just kind of downtown no one really knows why he was an older gentleman um tons of teenagers around so a little bit weird but she caught a ride with him and i'm sorry just for clarification how old were they um brianna was 19 so i assume jessica and chris were right around the same age okay okay um she was dropped off at the student housing in mckay court in reno where the three girls were staying there was no problems during the ride with the man, and they had even, like, kind of joked about how she shouldn't be getting into the car with strangers. Brianna and Carissa ended up getting home around 4 a.m. after catch- catching a ride with some friends of theirs. And this may sound weird to some people saying 4 a.m., but if you know anything about Nevada, it is a 24-hour city, or yeah. 24-hour state, so the bars don't really close ever. They don't close at all. <laughs> no. I mean, some of them do, sure, but... Um, I remember going back to Denver once, right after I turned 21, and uh, my friends were like, oh, the bars close at 2, and I'm like, what do you mean the bars close at 2? Like, I didn't think the bars closed ever, because I turned 21 in Reno. Yeah. That's something, that was like a culture shock for me when I moved here, because we're only, like, we're very close to the Nevada border. Like, we can be in Nevada in five minutes right now, honestly. Yeah. We could drive there in five minutes. I don't know, four miles away or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, as soon as you cross over the border, everything stays open. And, like, um, there's, like, a couple of bars in the Nevada side of South Lake. And they just don't close. So, like, there's been times when we go out for someone's birthday and it's, like, 2 a.m. We're like, oh, my God, I want a burger. (laughs) Yeah, and you can go get one. Yeah. (laughs) Nevada. What a wild place. So, after arriving at the student housing, Brianna offered to sleep on the crouch. On the crouch. (laughs) on the couch so carissa could have the bedroom soon after carissa came out of the kitchen to feed her dog and noticed brianna fast asleep on the couch when carissa and jessica woke up in the morning they went out to the living room and noticed that brianna's cell phone shoes and purse were there but there were no signs of brianna based on what she went to bed in this would mean that brianna left the house in only a white tank top and sweats and my friends from colorado we're always under the impression that Reno was also always hot because we're the same state as Vegas. Yeah, it's not. It's not. We have winters in Reno. Um, it so, does snow occasionally. Yeah, so in January in Reno, there's likely snow on the ground. So it would not... Not only that, it's also like people don't realize that like the desert still gets cold at night. Like very yeah. cold. I mean, even the summertime in Reno, I'm like, why is it 
Yeah. Why is it so cold here? <laughs> like in my hometown, like in the summertime, it because of how humid it was, it would stay hot. Like we wouldn't, you know, like I would go to sleep sweating because it was like still 75 degrees outside at like midnight. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it was in Colorado too. Yeah. But Reno's a whole different place. It's very dry here. So everything kind of like lifts and it gets done in like, I want to say like high 30s, 40s max at night. Yeah. Sometimes it'll stay up in the 50s, but. Yeah, I mean, in Reno, it'll it'll stay, like, low 60s if it's really hot outside, but, I mean, this was January, so it would be silly for anyone to leave the house without a jacket and their shoes on. Yeah. So, that was weird to them. They immediately called Brianna's mom, who did live close by, because it was unlike Brianna to leave without letting friends or family know where she was going. Her mother rushed over. And right away, she called the police to report her daughter missing because she knew that something was wrong. Two detectives, Adam Wignanski and Dave Jenkins, arrived onto the scene. They noticed a mascara, mucus, and bloodstained pillow where Brianna was sleeping. I know. Uh, The stains were consistent with someone being smothered with extreme force, according to the detectives. And Wignanski said in the episode of Unusual Suspects that he knew that nothing good would be coming out of this case just from seeing the pillow sitting there on the couch. They quickly called out search teams and search dogs to start searching for Brianna. Murderpedia actually said that there were 1,700 volunteers out trying to search for her, like, pretty quick, which is really awesome for, you know, like, a town to come together and, and really help people in their time of need like that. Well, as search teams were out, police started collecting all possible evidence that was found at the scene. They found unknown male DNA on one of the doorknobs, as well as unknown male DNA on the couch where Brianna was sleeping, according to Murderpedia, and took her phone in for analysis. The DNA found on the doorknob was eliminated as being a student who was staying in the student housing, but they were unable to identify the DNA that was found on the couch. And I just want to clarify, in the episode... They talked about the doorknob DNA and said that it was eliminated and then just immediately started talking about a DNA that they had as the profile of the killer, but they didn't say where it came from, but Murderpedia did say it was the couch. Okay. So that confused me in the episode, but Murderpedia did clarify that for me a bit. They also searched her phone and found that text had just kind of stopped out of nowhere at 4.23 in the morning from a man named Clint Dillhart. Dillhart was Brianna's current boyfriend of about six months that she had met when she was in Santa Barbara. He had recently moved to Oregon to finish out his schooling, so they asked Oregon detectives to head over and ask him a few questions because, obviously, like, being the boyfriend of a missing yeah. woman, he became the first person of interest. He was home when, they, when the detectives arrived at his house and swore up and down that he had nothing to do with Brianna's disappearance. He claimed that he was home in Oregon the entire time and had witnesses to attest that for him. After searching his phone records, he was eliminated as a suspect because all of his pings happened to be in Oregon, which is really nowhere near Reno. No. Um, it's, they, like, closest. If you lived in, like, the very corner of Reno, of uh, Oregon, it would still take you, like, nine or ten hours to get to Reno. No. Really? My dad lives in Grants Pass, which mm-hmm. is southern Oregon, but probably like an hour or two into Oregon mm-hmm. and it only takes about five and a half hours okay yeah but still I mean it's still, it would still super, be super it far. definitely would have been possible for him to drive down here and and do something to her and then drive back but 
based on all of his pings being in Oregon the whole time, yeah. there's, there's just no way it was him. They went on to check all security fo- footage at the casino that night, as well as the professional to- photographer that had been hired to take photos of the event. Everyone they found had been cleared except for one person. Any guess who that was? The boyfriend? No. The man that Jessica got into the car with. Yeah, the man that drove them home. Yeah. Well, drove Jessica home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he knew that, you know, at least a young woman was staying there and she was dropped off by herself. So it could have, he could have easily thought that she was the only one staying there. Unless she had mentioned her friends were, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they talked about. I don't know. I feel like every time, like, I take an Uber or anything, I'm like, oh yeah, like, like when we went to Galentine's. And I was like, oh, our, boy, our boyfriends, our boyfriends <laughs> yeah. are meeting us. Our boyfriends are going to be there. And we live with them. They, we, have, we have men. <laughs> it's not just me. It's not just us, I swear. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows? I don't, Jessica didn't say anything about that in the episode, so I'm not sure what they've talked about or anything. Okay, well, wait, can we just, because I'm slightly confused. So Jessica got a ride home early. Mm-hmm. But then when we went back, when they got back, Brianna was like, I'll sleep on the couch. Brianna and Carissa got okay. back later on. Okay. Yeah. And then Brianna slept on the couch. Yep. And where did Carissa sleep? In the bed? In one of the... I don't know if there was two bedrooms or if they shared a bed or what, but she slept in a bedroom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Jessica and the detectives both started to wonder and get worried if maybe she had led this person who abducted Brianna right to the house where she was staying because it would have been easy for him to remember where she was, you know? So, Jessica said he was a middle-aged white man, and after reviewing footage of that night, detectives were able to get the make and model of the vehicle and start trying to find the man who owns it. A while goes by, and one day, police get a call from a lawyer claiming to represent the man that they have been searching for. Oh, God. The man that owns that car. Why would he lawyer up? Yeah. They don't even know who he is yet. Yeah. Suspicious. The man that took Jessica home that night is named Todd Baylord. Wignansky said that he was a nice guy, but he seemed very nervous when interviewed. Baylord was adamant that he had nothing to do with Brianna's disappearance, but had no explanation as to why he was downtown amongst a plethora of teenagers. He had no criminal record, but after continuing questioning, he finally admitted that he was out searching for prostitutes that night. Yeah. I mean... For those of you who also don't know, Nevada has legal prostitution. Granted, street prostitution isn't, but whatever. He didn't want to tell police because he was a husband and a father and didn't want his wife knowing or his family knowing that he was out looking for paid hookups. Well, surprise. (laughs) Shocker. They they know now. (laughs) Yeah, they do. He didn't want anyone to know about it, so he agreed to let detectives search his home and vehicle as long as they kept quiet about the situation. They did end up finding out that he didn't seem to have an interest in brunettes, which Brianna was a a brunette. He definitely had an interest in in blonde women and bondage. And eventually, after determining that he was most likely just out searching for prostitutes, the police did end up clearing him. Okay. So their first suspect is cleared. After he was cleared, police started doing door-to-door searches, as well as searches of abandoned buildings, and still found no sign of Brianna. They were investigating recent, uh, recent break-ins and sexually motivated crimes in the area and noticed that there was a kidnapping and rape just four months before Brianna's abduction. A woman named Eden Chaya, Chaya, yeah, 
Eden Shia was attacked from behind by a man who was hiding out in the parking lot as she was walking to her car. And it was only about 400 yards away from the student housing that Brianna was staying in that week. Ooh. Yeah, pretty close. The man choked Eden from behind until she went unconscious and then threw her into his car and drove off with her. Just to some random spot. Like, she didn't even know where where they were once she came to. And after she did come to, he ended up raping her and taking her underwear as a souvenir. After the assault, he drove her back to where she was abducted from and threatened to kill her and her family if she ever told anyone about the night. Luckily, she is so strong. I can't imagine going through this. But she pretty much instantly called police and reported the assault to them. Forensics show that DNA from Eden's rape kit and the DNA from Brianna's couch were a match. Oof. Yeah. They now had a possible serial abductor and rapist on their hands. And no idea who he is. So according to Murderpedia, on February 15th, 2008, 26 days after Brianna's disappearance, a man took a little shortcut through a field on his lunch break from work where he noticed what he thought was a mannequin on the ground. After walking up to it, he quickly realized that it was really the nude body of a young white female partially covered by a tree. Okay, I hear a lot of these of, like, people finding bodies and thinking that they're mannequins. And, like, all I'm saying is, like, I've never found a mannequin out in the wild. <laughs> I've like, also never found a body, though. <laughs> yeah, I've never found it either. But, like, if I'm out in, in like, a, a, if I'm out of the meadow... Right, and I'm walking around, and I see something. I would not assume it was a mannequin. No, I would I'd be like, assume oh it was a body. my god, is that a body? Am I about to have to call yeah. like South Lake PD right now? And then I would be confused if it was a mannequin. <laughs> I would be very upset <laughs> if I found a body. It that would be wild. Wait, little side note. Remember when that body washed up at Reagan? Yeah, or at El Dorado, whichever one. It was El Dorado. It was, I think. Yeah, it was El Dorado. Uh, well. Right, that was right after evacuation, and then probably he had gone missing before evacuation. Yeah, a few weeks or like a month or two later, um, my coworker's husband was out there, and she texted me and she's like, "You miss it again? Like he just found a body?" Yeah, and you I'm told like, me that. "What?" Yeah, like I was freaking out. Turns out he found a dead dog that was buried, which is still super sad, but he did not find a human body. So I would, oh, I feel like that's so much worse. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> well, we're animal lovers over here, so it would be pretty hor- horrible. Yeah, I don't want to want to find a dead dog. Okay, let's change the subject. <laughs> anyway, I have it in my notes here. As Crime Junkie always says, it's never a mannequin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never a mannequin. No, I mean, like, it's not. I'm sorry. If you think it's a mannequin, you're it's probably not wrong. <laughs> Most likely wrong. Uh, Wignanski and Jenkins are called to the scene, and it was pretty obvious to them right away that this was the body of 19-year-old Brianna Dennison. The next day, on February 26th, DNA did confirm for sure that it was her. After an autopsy was conducted, it was clear that the cause of death was strangulation, and the weapon used was Brianna's own underwear. Yeah, oh and it was just kind of left there with her body. Oh my god. Yeah, the I guess the like the strings on her underwear matched the ligature marks yeah so they were able to match that the dna on her body did in fact match the dna from the couch and from eden's case eden was then called back in to give a description of the man that abducted her she said he was most likely in his mid-20s but could be up to 30 between five foot nine and six foot three 
and spoke very clear English and had seemingly large, meaty hands and fingers with callous, rough hands that were darker, sorry, callous, rough hands, and, like, his arms, the lower part of his arms were darker than the upper part of his arms. Okay, so he worked construction is what you're telling me. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Um, That's exactly what they said. I know what that looks like. (laughs) The first thing I thought of was actually landscaping for some reason. No, construction. And then they said construction, and I was like, that makes more sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so they assumed that he was a construction worker. Uh, She was purposely taking notes of the interior of his vehicle and also noticed a small child's shoe inside no yeah meaning that it's possible that this man is a father to a very young child her description led detectives to believe that the suspect owned a late model extended cab toyota tacoma and then i just instantly thought of john (laughs) when i saw toyota tacoma john's getting rid of his tacoma he keeps saying that yeah he wants to well he's a car guy he said he, he said today that like or yesterday when we went to carson he was like uh, he was driving there, and he was like, this thing's so slow. I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of this truck. And I'm like, I like his truck. What do you mean? Yeah, that's what I said. I, I like said, we truck. need a truck. We need one friend with a truck. Yeah. Who else do we know with a truck? Alex will happily go get a truck. Okay. Per- John will sell him his. He doesn't want a Tacoma. Whatever. I like them, though. I don't know. Yeah, John wants to get rid of his truck. Yeah, well, I get it. So, okay, after Brianna's body was found, a woman named Ariana Culkin came forward to pl- to tell police her own story of an assault that took place around four months before Brianna's murder. The attack on her was similar to the attack on Eden, except that he raped her right there in the parking lot after pull- pulling a gun to her head, and it happened just outside of view of security cameras in the parking lot that she was in. Allegedly, no one heard or saw anything that night. She didn't come forward to police until after Brianna's body was found because she was just too scared. I mean, I, I assume he probably threatened her just like he threatened Eden. Yeah. And I can imagine how terrifying that is. Her description of her attacker matched the description from Eden, except Ariana was able to get a good look at his face, unlike Eden. A sketch artist was brought in to create a composite sketch of the man, and it was quickly released to the media. Tip lines start going nuts over four thousand tips are coming into the station and i can't imagine how hard it is to be a detective because as you know most tips that get brought in for situations like this are a lot of scorned lovers or ex-wives or ex-girlfriends that just want to get their ex-partner in trouble and just want to do anything to destroy their lives so or even just like somebody who like thought they saw something but it, it wasn't anything related to what happened yeah or yeah. like oh this kind of looks like my neighbor which i mean you should if if you really think that it looks like someone you know you should call it in yeah but it's like those scorned lovers and stuff that just make it make police's heart or uh, job so difficult and i can't it's probably just so frustrating to them um yeah so most of them didn't pan out until a woman who worked as a sex worker in a brothel called and told police that she had a strange encounter with a man who was always a bit rough with the woman and loved using their underwear as a ligature to choke them while they were having sex. He also confessed to this woman that he murdered Brianna. (gasps) Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Am I right? Oh, my God. It wasn't hard 
to find him because he was a frequent customer at the brothel. This man was named Lionel Sepping. Lionel? Lionel. I work with Lionel. As a snowplow driver? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lionel. My snowplow driver's co-worker's name is Lionel. (laughs) You know what Lionel always makes me think of, though? The rat from That's So Raven. Corey's rat. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's Lionel. Lionel makes me think of, like... I definitely, there's a Lionel in something that has to do with trains, but whenever I think of Lionel, I think of trains. Oh. Maybe. And part of Maybe there's a Lionel in, like, Thomas the, the train. train. I think so. Maybe. I would, I don't remember. I don't know. Probably. That's probably where I know it from. And also, I'm pretty sure his last name was Sepping, but honestly, it could be, like, Setting or Seving or something along those lines. It was kind of hard to tell, but it sounded like Sepping to me. Yeah. And, of course, he also denied all involvement in the murder of Brianna to detectives, but obviously, but refused to give up any of his DNA to rule him out. Also, super sus. After revisiting the brothel a short time later, after Lionel had revisited the brothel a short time later, the worker that... Wait, do you hear my dog snoring? Yeah, I do. Hey. (laughs) I'm sorry. Also, I just want to let everyone like everyone know i just looked it up lionel is a brand of like toy trains oh okay yeah well that's why i thought of it okay (laughs) i just think of Corey's rat no um anyway so after he had revisited the brothel a short time later the worker that he was with chose to collect some tissues or something that had his dna on it and hand i know gross right (laughs) and hand them over to detective to two detectives for dna matching Unfortunately, the DNA did not match Sepping. Really? So we've had two good suspects, and neither one of them have panned out. Months go by as the case slowly starts to become cold. In the episode of Unusual Suspects, they said that tips went from hundreds a day to only like one or two or two or three a day. Nine months after Brianna was murdered, Wignansky decides to fully dive deep back into the case. After combing through the tips that they had received, one stood out to him and he decided to investigate it. It was a woman who had called saying that she found a pair of women's underwear inside her boyfriend's truck, and when she confronted him about it, he claimed that he took it from a woman's load of laundry at the laundromat. Which, still weird if you ask me. Yeah, I don't care where he got it from, it's still weird. Yeah. The newest suspect was named James Biela. He was a 27-year-old former Marine and construction worker who lived with his girlfriend and their three-year-old son. No. I know. It's starting to sound familiar, huh? No. When detectives pulled up his driver's license photo, the sketch and his photo had uncanny similarities. And they just had that feeling like, this is our guy. Also, you want to guess what vehicle was registered to him? A extended cab to Toyota Tacoma? <laughs> yep. I didn't even know they made, they made Tacomas with, like, extended cabs. Oh, apparently they do. I don't well, know much Does extended cabs. cab just mean they have a back seat? Um, or does it mean? I think... Sarah knows. Sarah, the assistant knows. Yeah, extended cab um, is where there's that half door. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and then, then... Is that... Crew... What no. is that? It's my phone. Oh. John's FaceTiming me. <laughs> okay, so for clarification... Extended cab is when it has the half door. 
And yeah, it's like where you open the front door and then the back door also has to open. Like, so you have to open the front before I, you can open I think back. most, like, older Tacomas have, have that, that instead okay. of the full because, crew cab Yeah, back because door. John's truck is four-door. Yeah, like a full four-door, okay. which I think, I'm pretty sure it's crew cab. Okay. Yeah, that makes that's sense. a crew cab. Okay. Perfect. All right, glad that we could Well, there we go. <laughs> For anyone else who didn't know. So, at this point, obviously detectives really want to go collect this man's DNA. Wignansky would plan- <laughs> Wignansky explains in the uh, Unusual Suspects episode that when he arrived at Beale's home, he wasn't home. So Wignansky left his business card and a note saying to call him, and he left that right at his door. Surprisingly, later that day, he gets a call from Beale, and Wignansky told him that his name had come up in a case, and he'd really like to talk to him. Bila told him that he wouldn't be home until the next evening due to a construction job he was working, so they set something up for that next day. After getting off the phone, Wignansky sat down and instantly got a chill up his spine. Can you take a guess why? I don't know. I couldn't figure it out either until they said it, which makes so much sense. Bila didn't ask him why his oh name came God. up or why he wanted to talk to him or anything. Yeah, so that just made him... He just went along with it. Yeah, he was just like, oh, okay, like, I, I can come in to talk to you, I guess. Yeah. But, like, if it were me, I'd be like, why... How did my name come up, you know? Yeah. If I was innocent in anything, like... Who was talking shit? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, anyway, he goes in, and during the questioning, Wignansky noticed his large sausage fingers. <laughs> I know. And the change in his attitude and body language after he brought up Brianna. I don't know. Sounds guilty if you ask me. But hey. Wignansky asked Biela for a DNA sample, but he, of course, also refused to give a sample. Sounds even more guilty. Biela told Wignansky that his girlfriend, Sierra Hoffman, would be his alibi for that night and that they could talk to her. Well, when detectives went to talk to her, Sierra did not, in fact, give him an alibi. Way to go, Sierra. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, she was the one who called in the tip. Yeah. About, like, hey. But still, like, they were obviously still together. Yeah. So, like, good for her for not covering up for that. And she even said, I don't have it in my notes anywhere, but she did say that it was kind of a tumultuous relationship. Okay. Um, So it wasn't like. But they did, I don't know if they were necessarily on and on, off, on again, off again or not, but it wasn't, like, a great situation that they had. Yeah. Well, he sounds like a dick. So. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> According to Sierra, Bila left town the day after Brianna's body was found, and she still was never given an explanation as to why. Hmm. Yeah, also suspicious. Interesting. She agreed to give her son's DNA, since he's the descendant of James, obviously, to rule him out. But lo and behold, we finally get a match. Oh, no. Biela, as I said, was a former Marine and also Reno native. He made everyone proud his whole life, especially when he joined the Marines, and was a family man to everyone on the outside. No one ever expected him to do something so horrible. Biela was quickly arrested on November 25th, 2008, but wouldn't tell detectives or his girlfriend Sierra that he had anything to do with Brianna's disappearance and murder. Trial went underway, and Bila was convicted of first-degree murder, first-degree kidnapping, 
sexual assault with the use of a deadly weapon, and two counts of sexual assault, according to the Reno Gazette Journal. And, according to Murderpedia, was sentenced to death on June 2nd after nine hours. Nevada still has a death penalty. Apparently. I didn't know that either. Granted, I don't really know what states do and don't. Yeah. I don't think California does anymore. No, I think they took Um, that away. And I feel like, I want to say Pennsylvania doesn't, um, but it did for a very long time. Yeah. Well, Reno or Nevada. This was 2009? 2008? 2008 is when he was arrested. It was 2010 that he was convicted. Okay. Okay. So, 2010. According, oh, no, never mind. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I didn't even know that they had it. So, he was also convicted and sentenced to four consecutive life sentences for the rapes of Eden and Ariana, according to the Reno Gazette Journal. Oh, my God. That makes me so happy. Yeah. And life sentence for rape? Yeah. Thank God. (laughs) Well, four? Yeah, four of them for two rapes. Yeah. I don't know how they managed that, but good for them. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. And according to Murderpedia, those sentences happened on July 30th of the same year. He has had a few appeals, and I'm not really going to go into them too much. I mean, death penalty cases always have automatic appeals. Yeah. And the Nevada Supreme Court has upheld his death penalty conviction in every single appeal. And um, as of January of this year, he is still on death row. Good. So Nevada still has has death row. Good. Which, thank the God. The only person, the only people I feel bad for in this case is his girlfriend and son. Well, and obviously like the victim's families. Well, but yes. yeah. <laughs> I don't feel yes. bad for him at all. Yes. No, obviously I feel bad for the victim's families. That's... I mean, that's why kind of why we're doing this, but yeah. at the same time, like, it's really hard when, you know, somebody that, you know, granted, like, their relationship might not have been great, but I guarantee you this is still a part of her that loved him. Oh, I absolutely. I mean, she had a child with him. Yeah. So, like... I add a note here. Yeah. Um, literally last night, Jason was saying that since we have Avery together, I could beat the shit out of him and he would probably stay with me. And, like... <laughs> I know it sounds really funny, but seriously, that happens, you know? You're like, well, I have a kid. Do I want to break up the family? Do I want to do this and that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it makes yeah, it, it a lot harder a when you have a kid. Yeah, it adds a whole different so, level of... Yeah, so I understand why she, you know, stayed with him through whatever they were going through, even thinking that maybe he had a part in this, too. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I mean honestly, I get it. like, good on her for saying something when she noticed something, because, like... Mm-hmm. If, you know, something super weird was going on with John, like, and, you know, God forbid something happened, like, I would, I would want to do the right thing. Yeah. And, you know, granted, like, I love him, but, like. And it would be hard. Yeah. So, I mean, even though she said, like, they did have, like, a tumultuous relationship, it's still hard when you have a kid. Yeah. It's still super hard. Extra hard. Because she's facing the point where, like, okay, like, if I call this in, it really might be him. And I and really then, might not have anybody to help Yeah, me. and then she's going to have to explain that to her son when he gets older. Like, why isn't dad around? Yeah. That, oh, I feel so bad for her. Well, your That's, dad's a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, don't become your dad. Yeah. Don't be evil. <laughs> um, but what makes me happy about this is that he, uh, you know, death row sucks yeah. for inmates. Yeah. They have nothing. Yeah. They're locked up 23 hours a day. They don't get any, like, outside time or anything. So at least he's miserable in there. Yeah, I mean, my whole opinion on it is, like, if you're on death row, you deserve to be on death row. Granted, like, personal opinion right now, I don't agree with the death penalty. I do think 
that if you do something so bad, you deserve to spend the rest of your life being bored in prison. Yeah. And you don't deserve to die and just get away from it. I so. mean, I agree, but death row isn't, like, instant, you know? Yeah, so they get, you're there for a while. They get to spend many years yeah. bored and alone and miserable. Yeah. But still, like, there's people who are, like, 90, like, in their 90s in prison mm-hmm. because they did something so terrible. Yep. So, I don't know. Yeah. Not of opinion. Well, that is the case of Brianna Dennison, but we're not done. We're not done. We're not done. We are not done. We got a twofer for you guys today. This isn't a very long one, um, so we will get into that. Actually, before we move on from Brianna, uh, I do want to talk about Brianna herself and what this case, what came out of this case. So Jessica said that Brianna was very sweet, very personable. She was just the kind of person you get along with right away. Brianna was survived by her mother, Bridget, her brother, Brighton, grandparents, Bob, Barbara, Carol, and Carol, uncle and cousin, John and Ashley Zanino, aunts, Lauren and Rena, and uncles, Mark and Steve, and 13 other cousins and extended family. She loved to travel. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. We have Baby baby's assistant. just crying. She's overworked. Her job is so hard. <laughs> Must be really hard being a baby. Dang it. <laughs> she loved to travel, and she's been all over the world. Are you taking my wine? I am. Sorry. Okay. It's a long case. I know. <laughs> We're not done. Um, yeah, she, she's been all over the world, and she just loved it. She had a dog named Ozzy that she adored, and she adored all animals and children. She was personable, and everyone who knew her loved her, and her mother called her Breezy because she reminded her of a breath of fresh hair, fresh air on a cool summer day. Fresh hair on a fresh cool... Hair. <laughs> fresh hair on a cool summer day. Uh, she is loved and missed by many. But the good thing that came out of this case is her family fought to enact Brianna's Law. Have you heard of that? No, I have not. Please educate me. Brianna's law now requires all persons arrested for a felony to give a cheek swab for DNA to have good. that DNA be in the system and cross-reference. I feel like that's something that's super good that came out of, like, kind of, like, the 2000s and, like, 2010s is um, a lot of laws like that started to come into place where, like, if you, you know, like, if you went into the system in any capacity you had to have your dna taken yeah which a lot of people have been caught because of that and a lot of cold cases have been solved because of that because oh yeah i talk about it in here yeah okay perfect (laughs) i'll let you talk about it then um yeah so james biela was actually arrested for a felony assault prior to raping these women and murdering brianna and if his dna was already in the system for that first felony arrest then his DNA would have been in there for Eden's case. Yeah. and the, From the rape kit. Yeah. And yeah. Brianna wouldn't have been murdered by him. So that's... Uh, it's so heartbreaking. But, I, like, honestly, kudos to her family for trying oh, to make yeah. a change out of it and just Absolutely. not being like, well, shit. Like. I'm very happy that they did. Um, according to the Reno Gazette Journal in January of 2018... Quote, since 2014, more than 60,000 swabs have been collected. It has helped identify suspects in more than 1,000 crimes, including more than 100 sexual assaults. It's helped solve cold cases, including murder cases. Good. So, good for them. That makes me really happy. It makes me really happy that it's, like, her law, too, like, Brianna's law. I know, that that's literally called Brianna's law. Yeah. 
Okay, so that is everything I have for Brianna. And this leads me into my next case. And this is someone who needs an equal amount of publicity, arguably more. Yeah. Um, Brianna's killer has been caught, which is great. And we're very happy and we're very happy that we can sit here and tell her story and remind people what an awesome woman she was. But unfortunately, Brianna's family has been through more than really any family should ever have to go through because almost 10 years, almost exactly 10 years to the day of Brianna's murder, her cousin, Caitlin Dennison, went missing. And Caitlin met a man in Reno and not long after she met him, she boarded a plane from Reno headed to Texas. The very next day at 12.31 p.m., her sister Rachel received a phone call from Caitlin from a Walmart in Midland, Texas. Rachel describes her sister. <laughs> She's so cute. She wants to be a part of the conversation. I know. She Thank will be sister. one day. I love her. Okay. Can we teach her the catch line, don't be evil? Don't be evil. Oh my God, when she can talk. I can't. That's the first yeah. thing she's going to say. Don't be evil. <laughs> don't be evil. Also, most of, almost everything that I got from, from Caitlin's case is from a GoFundMe page from her sister. Um, it's pretty much my, my primary source. And then I just have a couple things from other sources. But her sister said that 12.31 p.m. the next day, after she arrived in Texas, her sister received a phone call from Caitlin from a Walmart in Midland, Texas. Rachel describes her sister as being frightened and wanting to come home. She said that the phone call was short because the man had come back to where she was and she needed to hang up. Caitlin then texted Rachel saying, quote, this guy makes me a little scared for my life, unquote. Oh my God. And, quote, he is mad that I won't let him lay a hand on me, unquote. Rachel reported her missing shortly after, but there still, after four long years, have not been any leads. So this was 2018? This was 2018, yeah. January 9th. Of 2018. Mm-hmm. And they still have n- no have idea. Have they found the man or? Yes. Okay. Uh, so he is not identified in any sources, even in the GoFundMe. I'm sure Rachel knows who he is, but it's probably like a... Uh, you know, a rule that she can't bring his name into it as yeah. a suspect, you know. So uh, his name is not out there that I can find anywhere. But he was questioned and released by police because they had nothing to hold him on. <sighs> Caitlin is described as Rachel as being five foot four and between 120 and 130 pounds. She has piercings that include a medusa, both ears, tongue. What is a medusa? It's like a center lip. Right? Okay. Yeah, center, okay. center, bottom lip, um, tongue, both nostrils. <laughs> She's so cute, Avery. It's my turn to talk. <laughs> you can talk in a few minutes, okay? Yes, you can we'll talk you all you want in a few po- minutes for the podcast, okay? Um, and both nostrils and lower lip. Her tattoos consist of the Eye of Horus on her wrist, the Leo zodiac sign on her right middle finger, and can we just talk about how much I love Leos? Yeah. Misty's a Leo. Um, my childhood friend Maya is a Leo. And them. she was like my closest friend through like middle school. Well, we love Leos. Right, Misty? Yeah, she knows that. I don't think Maya's listening. Maya, I'm gonna send you the link. You're gonna listen. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a shout out. You're shouted out. <laughs> Maya Maya is a vet 
uh, I don't know if she's a vet tech or if she's a vet or what she does, but she works with animals every day. I love that for her. Yes. I'm she's very incredible. jealous. Yes. She's awesome. I'm jealous of her job. Yeah. Same. So. Um, so yeah. We the love Leo, The Leo zodiac sign on her right middle finger, an alien head and the letter M on her right ring finger, and the Libra balance scales on her forearm. <laughs> Caitlin has naturally brown hair, but frequently bleached it blonde. She has a beauty mark under her lip on the left side and bright blue eyes. She also had scars on her arms and legs and was last seen at Rick's Cabaret in Odessa and the Walmart where she called Rachel on Briarwood Drive. Odessa, Texas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Odessa, Texas. And the Walmart where she called Rachel on Briarwood Drive in Midland. If anyone at all has any information regarding the where regarding the whereabouts of caitlin dennison you can reach out to texas crime stoppers anonymously at 1-800-252-TIPS that's 1-800-252-8477 so i was gonna please, say it might be hard for people to distinguish with your list yeah <laughs> tips 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 so please if anybody knows anything about that i mean it's been four years and there has still been zero zero progress in the case so if you know about it please reach out to crime stoppers and that is the case of caitlin dennison who is still missing wow and i will post pictures um of obviously we'll post pictures of brianna and james biela but we will have a couple pictures of caitlin just for reference if anyone yeah thinks that they may have seen her at any point yeah we're gonna have a whole bunch of stuff linked in the episode notes um and I, I definitely know you guys can hear the baby babbling. Yeah, so. sorry. You might have to re-record that. Honestly, no. We'll just leave it. Everybody loves to hear a little baby She's babble. She's so cute. She's adorable. I can't get over Honestly, it. Honestly, Sarah. You did good. You did good. <laughs> good you, job. You She's grew a, a very story. cute baby. But yeah. thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, these cases are um we're getting into more cases that are kind of lesser known and some cases that truly leave us like wondering like obviously the case between brianna and caitlin is not related however it is really really sad that this family lost two young girls in a span of 10 years almost exactly 10 years apart yeah um so we're gonna have a gofundme linked in the uh episode notes for caitlin um and we're going to have all the case sources down there as well. Yes, all of them are down there. Uh, if you can donate to the GoFundMe, please go do that. They've raised quite a bit of money, and, I mean, they're still fighting for her. Yeah. So. You don't know. Like, there's been, I mean, J.C. Lee Dugard, mm-hmm. she was gone for, you know, not, was it nine years? Something like More that. More than 18. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't be speaking years. right now because I don't know what I'm talking about. I need to Google it really quick. And then I will. I do really want to do that case, though. Um, we are. Absolutely. Um, but, but, like, there has been people found. But, yeah, um, it's definitely still possible that she could be out there and she could be okay. Okay, I found it. J.C. Lee Dugard was, um, abducted in 1991 and she was found in 2009, so 18 years. So, That's 18, so, 18 yeah. years. So, there is still hope, uh, for Caitlin. Obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's super hard when you don't know what happened but at the same time like this goes from me the purpose of that is trying to find her yeah exactly um, which cases have happened where people have been found after many years mm-hmm. so um that GoFundMe will be linked in our episode notes 
Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's case. I hope you guys have been enjoying it. And just one more time, this is probably the last time we're going to say it. Please be kind. <laughs> uh, we're still trying our best. We're working yeah, on we're it. We're still working on it. Um, we'll get there one of these yeah. days for sure. We are still looking for a jingle. <laughs> yes. So. Oh, Lauren's coming up this weekend, so I'll ask my buddy. Okay. Our okay. music guy is apparently coming up Hopefully this Hopefully we can get one this weekend. Yeah. It might be on this episode, but if maybe. not, maybe you can enter a contest. No. Hey. <laughs> maybe you can send us a jingle and maybe we'll use it. We are looking for a jingle as well as a transition sound to use uh, when we do eventually get some ads, which... I know people don't like ads, but but sorry, we need them. <laughs> sorry, it's gonna happen. Also, not a single comment about a lisp disc. Yeah, we need some lisp discs. <laughs> yeah, if you have a lisp disc, li- li- if you have a lisp <laughs> disc so to dish out, what was the scent? Ah, that's so hard. What was the scent? Crisp citrus. What was the oh. scent of the candle I got you? Where's oh, right there? where is it? It's. Sun-washed citrus. Sun-washed citrus. <laughs> so sun wa- Sun-washed citrus. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. That's all we got for you this week. Bailey? Thank you, guys. What? Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> I was just going to say, do you want to link your socials? Okay. My socials are, you can follow me on Instagram at B-A-I-L-M-C-Q. That's Bail M-C-Q. And you can follow me on Instagram at T-I-F-F-E-P-P-X-O or... Twitter at Tiffany Epp, or you can follow the podcast page at Puzzling Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or Puzzling Podcast on Facebook. And last but not least, you can follow our assistant Sarah at on Instagram at Sarah Marie Pierce. That's Sarah with an Sarah H. with an H. <laughs> Sarah with an H. Sarah Marie Pierce. She's really mad. And as we said at the top of the show, we do have a donation spot on our website, which will be linked in the show notes as well. And you guys can also do a little one-time less donation yeah. on through our anchor page i also just want to let everybody know that um any money that we do receive from the podcast um the first thing we're gonna do is pay sarah <laughs> <laughs> yeah sarah we're gonna pay sarah it. we're gonna pay sarah and then we are actually going to invest in a camera and mm-hmm. we're gonna start releasing videos with um of our podcast while we're recording after we um, get the studio all set up and yeah cute. so we're hoping to have the studio completely set up by june i feel like that's a good time frame mm-hmm. because you're gonna be away i'm gonna be away yeah and yeah. we can't get rid of the bed until early may anyway yeah so so may's gonna be a really weird month for us guys um i'm going away for five days and then tiffany's going away for the for a week like six days yeah yeah um and then so we're gonna have a special guest star you're gonna have to find out who it is but i'm sure you guys can all guess who it's gonna be um it's gonna be baby assistant actually it's it's actually just gonna be avery we're we're gonna tell her a murder story and she can babble on about it she's gonna be like wow i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so may is gonna be a super weird month but we're hoping by june that we'll be able to have a studio set up and then shortly after that we do want to start filming our podcast to have videos um that way that when we release the videos on youtube we can provide like evidence with them so like yeah, we can show the photos. the photos in the story instead of just relying on social media. Yeah. So that is all we have for you guys this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, we love you. And remember, don't be evil. Don't be evil. Just don't do it. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys.